Hello, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. We're here to connect, encourage, and empower you to radiate the message of Jesus to yourself, your neighbors, and the world. I'm your host, Steve Presswood. Today I'm on the phone with my Radiate Podcast guest, Jaylene Williamson. Jaylene, welcome to the program. Thank you, Steve. Jaylene has been on our program before. This is the second time she's joined us. Uh, She's the wife of Mitch Williamson, one of the Navigator staff at Oklahoma State University. She was on staff herself before she had the current crop of children that she and Mitch (laughs) are parenting. Jaylene and her husband have been at Oklahoma State now for two school years. They came to us after working in the Navigator student work at West Texas A&M, where they were for 14 years. Jaylene, tell our podcast audience a few more things about yourself, if you would, please. Well, there's a lot of things that I'm involved in this summer. It's been strange with quarantine that a lot of it is still not in person, but thanks to Zoom and a slower pace in town, then I've picked up a few more things. I'm studying the book of Mark. Mitch is going through that with one of his staff in training. And so I said, hey, I'm going to join you just on a slower scale. So um, that's been great to just look at um, the stories of Jesus um, for myself and study the word and a little bit deeper this summer. I'm also leading an edge study with two women from Arkansas, one from Missouri and one from Michigan. They are four staff that have just joined Navigators this summer. And so we are going through a study together, and that's been fun. Of course, we use Zoom, but that's every week. Then also, we have had a shift in staff. So Cindy uh, Presswood and Beth Bird and I have been meeting once a week to just catch up with each other, pray for each other, pray for the ministry next year and the students that are going to come back, but also new students that we're going to be meeting. And so that has been just a huge blessing to have that in person because there's only three of us every week. Uh, It's been great to kind of connect to that way and build trust with the three of us women to work together in the fall. Then on a random thing this summer, well, actually it's been going on since January, but finally last week, my three cousins and two brothers and I now have a cattle business. We are all six wow. in, in a partnership. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's just what you needed, you know, to add to your current plate of things to do, the cattle business. Exactly. I told a friend last week, I said, so you won't believe this, because, I mean, she has no idea that I even have cattle background. And I said, you know, in Proverbs 31, where it says that the woman considers a field and she buys it? <laughs> I said, I feel like I just did that. <laughs> So it's been a long time coming because my grandpa has wanted to gift cattle to us over a few years so that we can take over his cattle business. And so this is the beginning of that. And then the last thing, the other business side of things that I've been doing for the past five years, um, I've been involved in a weight loss and wellness company called Zingular. And through the quarantine, it has just caught fire. People are so much more aware that they're unhealthy, that they're overweight, that they need another source of income to diversify. And so I have about 20 people under me. I'm helping to coach people on our products and they're sponsoring people left and right. I really have to limit how much time I'm on the phone because it's overwhelming. Hmm. Well, thanks for that. I've seen a lot of evidence 
because I've had a good opportunity to be around you and, and meet you a good bit, uh, that you're really a compliment to your husband. In what ways would you say, as you describe your differences, how are the two of you different, Jalen? Well, I would say that one of the biggest ways is just in what we studied in college. So I have an accounting degree and he has a psychology degree. To me, that shows right away. Like I'm more by the books. I'm more black and white. I like things organized. I like things to come out in the end and balance and have a set thing where he's the psychology. He's the people person. He's the one that like likes things fun and loose and I'm an introvert. He's an extrovert. There's just all kinds of different things, even in the way that we were brought up, because I was a country girl, grew up in a Christian home, and he was a city guy that was raised in a secular home. And so the things that we were around and introduced to early in life were very, very different. So we complement each other in many, many different ways. So this is just a fun aside just to give evidence to demonstrate that you are somebody who likes to have everything in order. Uh Uh, You've been uh, poking at me for the last day or two about uh, what are you going to be asking me about and so forth. And I always give some sort of an interview outline, although it may not come in as timely a fashion (laughs) as someone like you likes. So I finally did get you the outline, but it was late last night. Uh, You might've liked to gotten it three days ahead of time, but uh, you're, that's not my personality. Yep, yep. <laughs> but you sure demonstrated yours. As I've been in ministry for the past 15 years, this is something I have definitely seen and learned is not everybody thinks and works the way I do. <laughs> yep. When I was in the accounting world, though, like we got each other. Like there was that everybody kind of worked the same. But in ministry, not that way at all. Sure. Okay, so there are differences between you and Mitch. Neat. Uh, I know you guys complement each other. Yeah. How would you say those differences have been an advantage? I think just partnering in ministry has been the biggest place where I've seen it be an advantage because no matter what student we meet, one of us can identify with something with them or multiple things with them. So like whether it's somebody that's from the city, from the country, has substance abuse in their background, has Christian values, but doesn't know how to read the word or what that is for them to apply to them. Um, There's just so many things that we can, as we bring somebody into our home and close to both of us, that we can identify with. And then now that we've been married for 12 years, I can relate with those people too, because I'm like, oh yeah, I've had to learn that because my husband was that way. And so I would say that's been the biggest compliment and the biggest way I've seen it be a, an advantage. Yeah, so the differences provide great advantage, but my suspicion is they might sometimes cause problems too? Yes. I would say one of the biggest ones, and we noticed this in our first year of marriage, was how we spend downtime. Because I got married thinking, yay, now I have somebody to hang out at home with. And he thought, yay, I got married. Now I have somebody to go out and have fun with. (laughs) And so we would have these very different expectations of each other. And then it would make us upset at each other when we didn't understand that the other one wanted to go do that. So it, Hmm. it kind of blew up at one point in our early marriage. And we had to talk about, okay, sometimes I need to go out with you and we need to have fun and be around people. And then Sometimes I need you to just, at the end of a long day, just to hang out with me on the couch. (laughs) 
But then also, I think in raising children, we have the same values because of our beliefs and because of what we want for our children in the future. But how that is played out sometimes is very different because of the way we were raised. Mitch will start watching a movie that he was allowed to watch when he was a kid. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, don't you dare watch that with our kids. (laughs) And he's like, what? Like, I got to watch it as a kid. And then whenever I walk him through my reasoning, you know, my my black and white, why this is wrong or why this is right, then he's like, oh, yeah, I could see that. It's because of those differences that it, it can be a tension point. Yes, yes. Well, I want to get to the main topic, the main content that I want to discuss with you today, and it has to do with discipling and following Christ in the season of life that you as a young lady find yourself in. Mm -hmm. I consider you to be young still. Uh, You might not feel that way some days, but um, because you're a woman who has married and you end up with quite a responsibility in terms of taking care of children, Mm -hmm. I think uh, for many ladies, this can just be a tough season of life and they don't know how to deal with it and it trips them up sometimes and they don't follow Christ well or they quit making disciples and they feel bad for it. But I think you've done a, a good job of this and so I'd like to discuss some of these issues with you. Okay. How long would you say you've been laboring as a disciple maker? That's a great question. So I think in the fall of 2002 was the first time I learned how to label it, what it was, because I had seen my dad doing it He went around to a lot of the preachers and the people in ministry in our town and would spend time with them and talk about their walk with the Lord and and help them know that he was a safe person for them. Because a lot of times they were reaching out to their flock and nobody was paying attention to them. I had noticed that he would do this and that those people just thought my dad had hung the moon because the, the way that he had, you know, invested in them. And so I had seen my dad do that. Actually, I'd had that in my youth group. I'd had that where women would take me in their homes and, you know, they would be folding clothes or their kids would be running around and they would just sit and talk with me. And so I had had that experience, but I didn't know what to put the word on. So I would say it was in the fall of 2002, whenever I first put a word discipling with it. And that's when I started seeing that's what my heart wants for my own ministry. That's what I want to do for people. And I had been doing it a little bit over those first two years of college, 2000 and 2001. It wasn't until 2002 where I saw, oh, I need to be more intentional with this. That's when I would say I first started really doing that. Now, you began to get some training in how to disciple others and maybe get some new tools in your own tool belt about how to follow Christ, probably when you went to school. Would that be true? Yes, when I went to WTAMU. So when my first two years of college was at a Christian junior college, they had Bible studies on campus, but it was just kind of assumed that everybody there was a Christian. And if you wanted to be in a Bible study, you would join a Bible study. There wasn't a lot of outreach. So it wasn't until I went to the university in 2002 until I started seeing campus ministries who were specifically looking to help students walk with the Lord and had things in place to help them do that. And so I was involved in a Bible study through the Wesley Center where a woman like brought us into her home and cooked us a meal and we had Bible study together and she had us memorize a verse every week and It was wonderful. It was a good experience for me to see what that looked like. But then in 2003, 
was whenever I started being discipled by a navigator woman uh, named Rosie Doss. So she took me alone, you know, by myself and really poured into me and took me from where I was personally and helped me develop and helped me get a heart for that. Between both those situations where it was like a small group and the the individual investment, I really learned a lot for how I was gifted and how I would end up doing that later. Well, we're fast forwarding now in my mind and in this next question to the point at which you had your first child. So you learned how to follow Christ better, perhaps, than you had in the past in some of your experiences in the university. Mm -hmm. You also learned how to disciple other women. I know you began to get involved in that personally. You began to to work that way and labor as I opened the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How old were you when you had your first child? I was 29, almost 30. I was a couple months away from being 30. Yeah. So what year was that? Uh, 2011. Okay. How long would you say then that you'd been laboring as a disciple maker at that point? It sounds like if I do the math, it'd been about nine years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that you had a sense of what was normal at that point, but everything changes when you have kids. (laughs) Yes. What would you say changed about following Christ and about disciple making once you began having children? It was much harder to spend time alone with the Lord. Being an introvert, I was used to being able to really replenish whenever I was alone with the Lord before, even alone, like away from Mitch. We we tried quiet times together for a season and it was hard. (laughs) I ended up talking the whole time. I think that having an infant with me all the time and one that, that didn't know to not cry or not need something whenever... I was finally able to sit down and read my Bible, you know, and Joshua didn't ever sleep. He didn't ever nap longer than 30 minutes. So by the time I got him down, did something I needed and then sat down, he'd be waking up. So it was harder for that. In certain ways, my prayer life got stronger because I did have a lot of time with just him and he couldn't talk to me. So I was spending time praying for people in the ministry praying for my family or Mitch. And so that time was really rich, my prayer time. But the time like sitting and reading in the word and and stuff like that was less. So I would say I'd heard this from Rosie going into it is that during that season, often you go back to the resources that you've stored from your walk with the Lord before. And I definitely did. Because uh, it was kind of a dry spiritual season for me in a lot of ways, because my capacity shrunk so much. Yeah. What changed about your disciple making of others? So in the disciple making realm, up until having Joshua, I was meeting with multiple girls a week. I had lots of time, lots of freedom to go out, to have people in my home, whatever that would look like in that season. And Whenever I had Joshua, I'll just say this. I had a hard time adjusting to parenthood. That surprised me. I, I thought, I'm an introvert. I'm going to love going from being working and out in the in the public and in ministry. I'm going to enjoy taking a step back and being at home and having a reason to stay home. But it actually was way harder than what I expected. So I cut back to only meeting with one edge woman. Her name was Mandy Harada. I met with her. And through her, we did the women's ministry. She was my legs and feet on campus and because I completely pulled back. Now, it was great for me to still meet with somebody because it kept my eyes up and out 
on people. I think if I hadn't had somebody I was pouring into and I was investing, it would have been too easy for me to get self-focused and sorry for myself. Mm. But I could see the Lord like doing things in her and through her. Like she would come back and tell me stories of how she had helped minister to women on campus. And it was the refreshment that I needed during that season. And so we were such a good team during that time. I needed her. She needed me. And it was it was beautiful. But as I've had children, it's been very interesting to me that like, I think that just that first dunk into the parent world was what like was the hardest because as I've added children, the Lord has just grown my capacity to meet with women. Because I talk to some women and on other campuses and they say, you know, how do you have your family and then still meet with five women? Like I'm doing good to meet with one. And I think that was something that was good for me to see is I can't quantify what my capacity is until that season comes. There may be a season that comes that I have to draw back. And every time I've had a child that has happened for about the first six months, I have to draw back. But then the Lord, it's like he just opens the floodgates and like people come back in that he has for me to minister to or whatever that may look like. I think one of the best parts about it is just trusting God in that process of who he wants me to pour into in each season and to see each season as a different thing. And I, even summertime, summertime is a different season for me where it's usually I draw back a little bit and I don't invest heavily in individuals. I may lead a Bible study, like I said, that I'm doing the summer and then the fall takes on a whole nother thing and just being sensitive to his leading and what that should look like each time instead of having the expectation it's going to look exactly the same. Sure. Would you say you were ready? Did you feel like you were ready when the changes occurred that happened as a result of having your first kids? In some ways, yes. In some ways I felt trained and I felt ready. Like I said, like Rosie kind of giving me that heads up of you need to be memorizing the TMS and getting it in your life now while you don't have a family because it's much harder to do those kind of things and be disciplined in those kind of things when you have people, you know, asking for things all the time and they need you 24-7 and you don't have the time to invest in yourself like now. So I'm grateful that in that she did train me and get me ready for that season. But I think every woman can't truly plan for what parenthood will do for them and do to them until it happens. Sometimes I pride myself in being very disciplined. But in that season, discipline went out the window and I was just surviving. And that was so rough for me. I'm a one on the Enneagram. So perfectionism is like huge for me. And that season really humbled me as a perfectionist because I learned I cannot be a perfectionist in this realm. Hmm. Uh, Mitch would come home and he would say, the kid is still alive and we have dinner on the table. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was helpful perspective, I'm sure. Yes. What would you say? And you maybe have partly answered this question already. I'm just wanting to give you an opportunity to hit this one square on. What's been the hardest thing about following Christ in this season of life? The interruptions that come. I don't have control over those. I feel like as a single woman and as a uh, young married woman, I had a lot more control of the interruptions that I allowed in my life and that came in my life. And so if I was focused in on doing something or 
helping someone, I could do that. And I could do that without any interruptions. This summer, I've had to get up earlier. I have to get up at 5.30 in the morning to have a good quiet time by myself because the boys will wake up anytime after 6 because it's getting light outside. It's like their bodies know what time that is. Where in the winter, I can get up at 6 or 6.30 and get that because they don't wake up until the sun comes up. Just dealing with those interruptions. But also, like, I've been out several times where I'm out I'm uh, in a man-to-man, and I get a call from the kid's school, and they say, hey, uh, your kid just had a pee accident. They need clothes. Can you bring us some clothes? So I have to drop what I'm doing, go home, get clothes, go to the school, and, and you know, I should tell her, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, I can't meet anymore. Or, or they might be running a fever, and now my whole day is shot. Like, what the plan that I had in place is now interrupted and now I have to stay at home with my kid who has a fever and is sick. There's a lot more interruptions as a mother and for the black and white, like having a plan person like I am, that goes out the window as a parent and you have to be flexible and I have to juggle with Mitch. I have to juggle with the kids. And so that part has probably been the biggest adjustment. Hmm. Well, Jaylene, what advice would you give young women who may be anticipating marriage and children to help them be ready to thrive as Christ followers, both before children and after children? That's a great question. My first thought is don't wait to invest in your relationship with God. I think it's kind of funny how we think uh, as women, you know, that life Life doesn't start until we get married and we move on. Like that's our future once we get to that point. Or we maybe we just think, well, I'll do this someday when I'm married, whether it's traveling or whether it's hosting in your home or those kind of things. I don't know why that's a natural thing that we think life doesn't happen until we get married. But I would say don't wait for those things. There was a book I read when I was in college called Lady in Waiting. They give it this example of, bringing out the fine china while you're single instead of just using paper plates. Hmm. And I was like, I need to hear that. You know, I need to hear, don't wait to do fun stuff and to live your life. Like do it now. And so that's for your relationship with the Lord. You don't just flip a switch when you get married and you're different. You just start into now a more complicated realm than you were in. So now while you're single or while you're dating, Really invest in your relationship with the Lord. Know who you are before you get into a marriage because you want that person to know the real you instead of you trying to figure out with them who you are. It's much easier for them to figure out who you are and what you like if you already know those things. So then it sets your marriage up for, you know, healthier foundation. And as a mom, I mean, if you know where to replenish your soul, before becoming a mom, even if you don't have a lot of time to do it, to know what you need as a woman, not just as a mother or whatever, just as a woman, what you need from the Lord and how to get that from the Lord. Then in those sparing little moments when you feel like you just can barely grab on, you know where to grab on. You know where your where your hope comes from and where you're replenished. And so you grab it when you can. One more question, I think, to finish up our interview today. As you have transitioned into this stage of life, kids, marriage, busy time, you've got three kids, you can't disciple, I know, in the same way as you did when you were single 
or when you were young married before you had kids where you probably went to a coffee shop or whatever place was convenient and fun for both you and the person you were going to be talking with. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest differences about how you disciple now that you're in this season of life? Mm, that is a good question. And actually, that's been something I've been rethinking this summer. So <laughs> it ebbs and flows and changes a lot. But I think whenever I didn't have children, it was easy to mix it up. It was easy to say, hey, this week, why don't you come over and we'll cook lunch together? How about, you know, we'll go take a walk around campus and prayer walk. It could be the same time every week that I'm meeting with a gal, but I had the freedom to use it how I wanted to. Well, and I'll take this back. So when I had an infant that was breastfeeding, I did not want to go in public. That was like a fear of mine because I did not want that baby to get hungry and be in public. <laughs> so I had women come to my house during that season. You know what? It's a lot easier for me to cover and just have you here than it is for me to go out and have a disaster. That season, I had girls come over to my house. Then I started adding multiple kids and it got chaotic in my house. And so I couldn't focus on the girl that was there and what we were talking about. Like, I couldn't ask deep questions and really follow what she was saying because I kept getting interrupted by multiple children. So during that season, I had two college gals come over at the same time. One, I would train on how to watch my kids and what I expected them to do with my kids while I was gone. And then the other one, we went to a coffee shop and we got time together for an hour and a half. And then the next week we would switch. And so the other one would have to stay at home and watch my children and take care of them and change diapers and all that kind of stuff while I took the other one out. And so then they had to learn how to take care of kids, but then they also got my undivided attention. That season was a fun juggle. So I have two kids in elementary school and then Ezra does three mornings a week where he goes to a mother's day out. And so I have three mornings where I can use that time to my own discretion. So a lot of times, like the last two years, that's when I've met with people. I've scheduled times to meet with people when my kids are away and busy. So I can still give them my you know, uninterrupted time. It's not in my home. And a lot of times I feel pulled in a lot of different directions. And so I don't think to invite women to come into our home. And that's one of the things that I've been really trying to rethink during this quarantine season is what does that look like to try to do a little bit of both? Because I know it's good to have that uninterrupted, being able to talk deep about God and life and those things without the interruption of children but also I need to let them into what my world really looks like. Hmm. And some of that is coming over and hearing my children get loud and watching me have to discipline them and having them learn how to interact with adults, what that looks like. Uh, I have two that are introverts and one that's an extrovert. And the extrovert, even when I say, I need you to go into the other room for a few minutes and be quiet, he will peek around the corner because he knows there's people in the living room and he will try to find excuses to come back in. And so I, I need to use those times to train him as well with his extrovert of what's appropriate and how to self-control. I'm going to have to be really working on that element this next year of how do I integrate deep times with people, but also bring them more into my life to see what my life looks like. Jaylene, we could ask 
more and we could talk more and maybe we'll just have to do it another time. But for today, let me say thank you so much for sharing your insights. These are so helpful and they're very different things, of course, than men have to deal with and think about. Uh, it's good to hear that that's uh, part of what a woman in your stage of life has to consider and it gives me a new appreciation for what you gals accomplish. Thank you very much for uh, sharing those insights with me today and being with me and talking on the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Steve, for asking me again. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Radiate. You can continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect to us online at osunavs.org and on Instagram at osunavs. See you next time. And until then, keep radiating the message of Jesus.